morning, Revelation Church. Morning. I love starting off with that. You know why? Because here at Revelation Church, we are a small expression of the universal church. And that is an awesome blessing that we get to be part of. As we come together and we sing, and we come to the point right now where we study God's word, and we're here together as a body of believers with the goal of growing in faith and growing closer to God. Just as the universal church meets around the world this morning, we get to be part of that. And that's a true blessing. So with that, good morning, Revelation Church. Good morning. All right. So we'll be in the book of Revelation this morning. And for those that are wondering, the church name is Revelation. We are in the book of Revelation, but we do not stay here all the time. So keep that in mind. But we are looking at the seven blessings that are in the book of Revelation. Last week, Zach went over the first blessing, which is blessed is the one who reads aloud, hears, and keeps the word of the prophecy. So there's a blessing for those that read this book aloud and study the book. So with that in mind, we have a card that's located at both doors. There's a section on the front that's, what is this book about? And then on the back, there's a reading plan. It starts actually this week, March 1st, and runs through April 5th. And it's essentially going through the book of Revelation, roughly three chapters a week. So nothing too arduous, but an opportunity to study a book together as the body of Christ as Revelation Church. And I believe that there will be some blessings that come out of it. So if you take part in that and you feel a blessing, please share that with myself, share that with Zach, share that with those around you. There's a benefit for us studying the book together. So I want to take advantage of that. So this morning, as we get kicked off, let's pretend we're on a train. We're on a two-engine train headed from the East Coast going to the West Coast. All right, we're riding along, chugging along. All of a sudden, boom, first engine goes out. Engineer's thinking to himself, no big deal. We'll just get to Denver. We can switch it out. Keep chugging along. All of a sudden, boom, second engine's out. Engineer's thinking to himself, all right, now I got to let the passengers know. So he gets on the intercom or however they communicate things on trains. I haven't been on one since I was about this big. But gets on the intercom, says, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I have some good news and I have some bad news. Bad news is we've lost both engines. The good news, we're not on a plane. All right. So this morning, we have some good news and we have some bad news. And as we look at the section of scripture here, we'll be in Revelation chapter 14. And our key verse this morning is verse 13. And if you're using a pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1098. All right, so let's start with our key verse, looking at it. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit. So they will rest from their labors since their works follow them. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Let that sink in. What in the world is John talking about? 
If you've spent any time in Scripture, you'll know that there's a number of blessed statements throughout Scripture. You can find some in the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament, in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. So just real quick, let's turn over to Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament, chapter 5. We'll be reading the Sermon on the Mount. So it's Jesus addressing a large crowd with what we call the Beatitudes, and it's the blessed statements. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, that, that doesn't seem too bad. I, I can kind of get behind that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Okay, those that mourn want to be comforted, right? So that's pretty, pretty easy, pretty straightforward-ish. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Now we're getting a little more counterintuitive because if you look at the governmental structure nowadays, the one with the biggest army wins. So the idea that the humble will inherit the earth seems a little off. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All right, so there will be a point where righteousness will prevail. Okay, I could buy into that. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Okay, kind of a tit for tat. You be merciful, I'll be merciful. Work together. There's, there's more to that, but I won't go into it this morning. But the idea is, as you read through that, that doesn't seem too extreme. Some of them might be a little counterintuitive. But as we come to this section in Revelation, we come to the writing that John has here, and blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. What in the world is going on here? So we have to ask ourselves two questions. Why are the saints dying? Why are they blessed? So the first question, why are they dying? If you're back in Revelation 14, just turn back probably just a page or same page, looking at chapter 13, verse 15. It was permitted to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the believers at this time refused to submit to the authority that is the prevailing authority at this time. And because of that, they will suffer persecution and death. And it's beyond anything that we've seen today. It's horrific. As you read through Revelation, you'll see that during this time, evil is running amok. And so the believers are dying because they are pushing back against the authorities. We see this throughout Scripture. Daniel 3, if you've spent any time in Sunday school, you might remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stand up against authority. They're the king of the time, built a statue, said, bow down and worship my statue. They said no. He threw them into a fiery furnace. So as Christians, there are times when we will be called to stand up against authority. But when do we do that? We do that when it is counter to what God requires of us. How do we know what God requires of us? We know it by studying his word. So we have to study his word in order to identify what he requires of us so then we can stand against the earthly powers that are in contrast to the book, the Bible. 
to what God has for us. So we see now why they're dying. They're pushing back. They're, they're standing for what is right. They're standing forth in what God has required of them. So we come to the next question. Why are they blessed? Let's look at the second part of the verse here. Verse 13. Yes, says the Spirit, so they will rest from their labors since their works follow them. They will receive rest from their labors. What labors is John talking about here? It's labor in the service to God. The believers here are pointing people to God. They're rejecting sin. They're denying themselves. They're sharing the gospel. They're taking a stand for what is right, even when it's not comfortable. And what's interesting is this time to push back is now. This time to stand up for what is right is now. This time to bring people to God is now. The time to reject sin, to deny ourselves, that's now. We don't have this opportunity when we get to heaven. Why? Because sin is removed. It's no longer a labor that we are a part of. Our labor for God on earth is here now as we point people to God, as we deny ourselves and we share the gospel with people. We can't do this in heaven. This time that we have is brief. But keep in mind, the idea is that this is not works, this is not deeds, this is not stuff that you're doing in addition to your daily life. You should be going through life, and I'm speaking to myself just as much as anybody here, we should go through life looking for opportunities to love people, to point people to God in the environment that we are in, whether that be work, at home, all those different things, we should be looking for opportunities to serve people and love people and point them to God, show them the gospel in real life. So we see that, receive, that the believers will receive rest from their labors. The next statement is their deeds will follow after them. There's something interesting here. Their deeds will follow after them. It's kind of a cool thought when you think about it from the standpoint that the deeds are behind them. They're not in front of them. Do not take them to heaven. They are not what gets them to heaven. They are what push them toward God, push them closer to a relationship with God because we are in service to God's work. The Holy Spirit is working. Are we part of it? As we go through this, we're following Jesus. Jesus has led the way. He died, he rose again, he went to heaven to do what? Prepare a house for us. Prepare a home. The work's already done. We're just following the path that Jesus has laid in front of us. So their deeds will follow after them. The next more important statement, they die in the Lord. What's so important about that? The struggle is over. The physical, spiritual battle is over. If you've spent any time reading Paul, he talks about the battle with the flesh, that which I don't want to do, I do. When you get to heaven as a believer, that battle is over. There is true peace. Another great thing is we are welcomed into heaven. 
If any of you have seen the Paul, Apostle Paul movie, spoiler alert, Paul dies. Okay, just, we'll get that out of the way. But when he does die, you see in the video at the end, he's ushered into heaven. He's walking on this path and what he can see in front of him is Jesus. And he is overcome by emotions because his savior, Jesus Christ, is standing before him. So those that die in the Lord are welcomed into heaven. So we've talked about why they are blessed, but how do you receive this blessing now? How do you receive the blessing? How do these believers receive the blessing? Let's look at verse, five, uh, verse 12, excuse me. Verse 12 in chapter 14. This calls for endurance from the saints who keeps God's commands and their faith in Jesus. They do this by keeping endurance. The endurance by keeping the commands of God and their faith in Jesus. The endurance piece is the fact that they don't give up. They continue in the face of adversity. They keep running, as Paul would say. They do not stop. And sometimes this is hard. I think about some people here. I think of myself, just the idea of dealing with a chronic illness. Anybody that has a chronic illness, it's hard to press on in life when you have something that you know there's no cure for, but you must press on. Maybe you have an ailment, a pain that will not go out away no matter what. I have atopic dermatitis for those that are not of the medical field. It's a nice way of saying, we don't really know what's wrong with you, but here's some medicine. But it's one of those things, it's an all-consuming chronic illness. There's times when due to stress, due to diet, due to living life, just normal life, <laughs> have a, what's called a flare-up. And essentially, the itching becomes all-consuming, and it doesn't stop. No matter what happens, no matter what I do, unless I get some medication to put the fire out, as they would describe it. So it's this ongoing thing that's a continual fight. And that's kind of what we're talking about here in the idea that there's an endurance. You have to press on even when there's times that are hard. You may end up in a situation that your Christianity, your belief may cost you relationships. There's a, there could be a price. There's people around the world that lose their families. They lose their life because of their faith. But there's an endurance to that. And we're called to that even though it's hard. And we press on in this endurance by keeping the commands of God. And I like boiling it down to two, the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people. What are the greatest commandments? Love God, love people. And the idea of loving God and loving people, we're, we look to provide the best for other people. So keeping the commandments of God, loving God, loving people. And then the faith in Jesus. We grow in our faith in Jesus. We do not treat Jesus like a distant aunt or uncle. Okay, you all know who I'm talking about. One of those people that show up. Maybe it's around the holidays and then you don't spend any time talking to them again. Okay, Jesus isn't a, doesn't want a relationship that's like a distant uncle or a distant aunt. Jesus wants a relationship that's like a brother, 
a close familiar relationship. He doesn't want to be distant. He wants to be close. And how do you get close to Jesus? You study his word. We pray. We're about the works that Jesus has in front of us. Martin Luther says, the true living faith which the Holy Spirit instills into the heart simply cannot be idle. The heart cannot be idle. That means an action. There's something going on. There's a moving towards Jesus. So we see what the believer should be doing. This is life. This is your quote-unquote best life now. It's being about what God is doing. And you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit in order to know what that is. So we see what they're doing, the believers here. But what about those that aren't believers? What happens to them? What, what's going on here? It begs the question. So with that, I have some good news and I have some bad news. There's definitely some bad news for those that reject Jesus. Let's look at Revelation 14, 6, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying high overhead with the eternal gospel to announce to the inhabitants of the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He spoke with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. If you're looking at that, there's a section, the eternal gospel. The gospel began at the beginning and it's coming to fruition here at the end. Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. This is the conclusion. This is the angelic announcement that judgment is about to begin. Let's look at verses eight. And another second angel followed saying, it has fallen, Babylon the great has fallen. She has made all the nations drink the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. And another, a third angel followed them and spoke with a loud voice. If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on the forehead or the hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, which is poured full strength into the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the sight of the holy angels and in the sight of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or anyone who receives the mark of its name. So for the unbelievers, there will be a time when judgment happens. I know this is a hard word. If you are an unbeliever this morning, but if you think about it, talking to earlier, loving God, loving people, if I truly, truly believe that I want the best for people, then their eternal security is my utmost aim. My goal and direction is to reach out to people, to share the gospel with them, because I love them and I want the best for them. So as you see here in these verses, the unbelievers 
reject God by following the trends of the world. They seek materialism. They seek sexual immorality. Those things, they're taking something that God created. I'm not saying that going out and getting a new shirt is a bad thing. I'm saying that if you find your identity in the clothes that you wear, if you find your joy, your hope in the clothes that you wear, in your relationships, in a situation where they're outside of the way that God designed them, between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship, then you're not following what God has for you. You're denying the gospel. Jesus died, rose again to save you from your sins. Now we say, oh, well, there, there are little sins and there's big sins. No, there's sin. We're all subject to it. I mean, we've all been in positions where we've lied, where whatever the case might be. But that creates a separation between us and God. So the bad news is there's separation from God. There's death. But the great thing is for you, if you are here this morning and you're not a believer or talking about the people that we read here in this book, they have an opportunity to seek God. The proclamation of the gospel is the way that they find God. So there is good news, even with bad news. So if you're not a follower with Jesus, I plead with you to think about that. Talk to somebody. Talk to myself. Talk with Zach. Kind of feel the weight. But for us that have a relationship with Jesus, we're called the enduring. Keep up with the commandments of God, loving God, loving people, and growing in our faith in Jesus. Don't treat him like that distant relative that you only see twice a year. But we all should have a ministry, if you will. We, we must have an objective with the relationships that we have. We want to see through the work of the Holy Spirit, people come to be followers of Jesus. And so in the book of 2 Corinthians, we see Paul talking about his ministry. If you do, we'll uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Chapter 6, starting in verse 4. And this is the character of Paul's ministry. It says, instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves everything by great endurance. He's talking about the endurance. By afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left through the glory and dishonor, through the slander and the good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see, we live as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet 
possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. So as you think about the context that you live in, do you have a ministry that looks like this? Do you press on in the face of adversity? As Paul's talking about afflictions, hardships, difficulties, are you pressing on in that? If you are, awesome, great. But I think it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on that as far as the endurance piece. Are we enduring a ministry that looks like this? I know that this is, can be a struggle. I know it's a struggle for me. And it's probably a struggle for you. So this morning as we come to a time of communion, I want you to think about that. Ask God to reignite the endurance in your faith. This is a time to, to celebrate the fact that what needed to be done has already completed. Jesus has already died. He's already risen from the dead. He is now in heaven. That peace is done. Those that are in Christ are saved through the works of Jesus. So now Jesus is inviting us to come along for the ride, the ride that is his mission for humanity. It's a beautiful thing when you get to be part of it. And I would encourage you, come, be part of it. It's an amazing ride. And as Revelation Church, we can be part of that in amazing ways. So this morning, as you come forward and take the cup, wine or the juice, whichever is your preference, take the bread, return back to your seats, and just spend that time reflecting on your level of endurance in your faith. And celebrate the fact that this represents what Jesus has already done, and you get to be part of it. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to look at a scripture that at face value doesn't really make sense. It it seems counterintuitive that through death there's life. But that's your story, Jesus. That's the story that you have already completed. Through your death, there is life. And we thank you so much for that. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit would lay that on our hearts in an amazing way and draw us closer to you, Lord God, that we may have a deeper relationship with you. May we know that you are closer, that you desire to know us closer and know us deeper, Lord God. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come to your table and take the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of the work that you have already done. Pray for this week ahead that it just 
be something that we continually think about as we read through Revelation, Lord God, together as a church. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives of the people here, Lord God. Your scripture says that reading Revelation can be a blessing. And I pray that it would be, Lord God, that you'd make yourself evident in that. Pray these things in your great name. Amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.